ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Music, horror, art, politics, bad assery. Welcome to Society Thirteen. This is Mr. Pink of the Society 13 Podcast Network, and you are listening to Kettle Whistle Radio with Heather and Dave, the only place I come for the music, macabre, and movies. KOKW calling. I'm on international frequency. Come in. You know, what is this? What does this represent? Uh, because this isn't just about soda. Hello, beans. This is Dave. And Heather. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Welcome, folks. This is Kettle Whistle Radio. I'm bringing back an original, and I think I think you were with me during the Red Horse Radio days. I'm not sure. We have with with us today uh, Tiffany Apan. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, Red Horse Radio days. I was with John Towers, uh, his label. Now I have my own Society 13 Network, and welcome to that. I'm glad. It's really nice to have you back. Hey, it's great to be back. <laughs> you, you gave me a nice little kickstart in the beginning. I had some good music to play, which we may or may not play. We're still discussing that. Right yeah, now. we're still discussing. <laughs> and, so. but, but just to recap, well, go back to where we were when I first hung out with you. Uh, you were you were talking how you were into 80s metal, like Dokken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Under Lock and Key, Tooth and Nail, great yes. albums. Okay, yes. Dokken, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Just curious, where else were you with that? Were you like the whole hair metal thing, like Slaughter, Poison, Rat, or just... You know, yeah, I like a little bit of everything. Interesting. You know, I'm I'm a music um, eclectic, I guess. Child say. of the '80s. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. not so much. But not, yeah, <laughs> I, I I was born in the '80s, yes. but I still I remember I, I remember like some of it. I so. understand. That's how I am with '70s music. I uh-huh. always go back to '70s, um, just because well, there's a lot more emotion in those songs than let's yes. say new stuff now. Yes. Not now. Not comparing your music to that because your stuff has some strong okay. emotion. Are you still working with uh, Jason English? I am, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Still and, my partner in crime, so. Right. Yeah, but music is yeah. uh, taking a well a little turn for you at this moment because you're busy. I am busy, yes. Well, so. let's, let's hear about, <laughs> well, the latest. Okay, well, first of all, I have a bunch of projects um, that this year... Um, well, last year, 2013, was kind of like a, um, kind of like a bridge as I was... Um, moving forward with projects but like you know still wasn't completely done with them and some of them I was still trying to figure out what direction I wanted to go um, with some of them but um, 
but toward the end of the year was when I really started to um, getting sort of a, a handle on them and figuring, okay, yeah, 2014, I'll be able to kind of push them over the uh, finish line. And that includes a um, couple film projects, both my own as well as um, being involved with uh, film projects of other, other production companies as well, um, mm-hmm. whether it's acting or behind-the-scenes work or a little bit of both. Um, and then also, um, music, I am going to be releasing new music this year. However, I'll be doing it a little bit differently than I... I saw that. Your yeah. second full-length LP. Yes. Yeah, it's uh-huh. in, the, in the works, but... It is in the works. And I think what I'm going to do with this one, instead of re- releasing it all at once, is first I'm going to, I think, release, um individual songs digitally one at a time you know what a lot of people are doing that and a lot i'm talking people that uh wow that have been in the industry for a while Mm -hmm. have they put out a four song ep here part two later and because people are just downloading songs at a time yeah you know what people are just downloading songs and you know a lot of people i mean while i still sell physical cds good um i just find like a lot of my sales do come from digital downloads so basically what i'm going to do is um you know, kind of release them one at a time, or maybe a couple at a time, and Smart. then, yes. and then at the end, once they're all done, I'll you know release the full like a full album, like a full physical CD. That is the going rate. <laughs> um, what I, I like, I had a metal band on last week, a uh, mm-hmm. local band called Vermithrax. Right. Um, very great, nice guys, great band. They opened for Metal Church, eighties thrash nice. metal. That was a great show. Yes. Um, they <laughs> what they did was they put four songs out on. Um, or what is it, Reverb, Reverb Nation. Okay, yeah. They put four songs out there for the fans, maybe five, just so that when they put the full LP out, they hope that people will come around and, and purchase it. Right. Because in the 80s, what we, we discussed about this, and you mm-hmm. would remember, mm-hmm. bands like Metallica made it because people were trading tapes. Right. And that was free, trading tapes. But yep. when the album came out crisp and clean, you bought it. Right, and that's exactly. So your tactics are good. And yeah. Now, I should say here, <laughs> you are a, a lady of film, theater, yes. and music. And music. And uh, last time we talked, you did, you were, it was Fetish Dolls uh, Die Laughing. Yeah, that was one of the movies that had just come out, so. <laughs> right. Now, now yeah. what I see coming out now, um, mm-hmm. well, first of all, let's, let's talk about The Cemetery by the Lake. Yes, that was a short, short story, story. Mm-hmm. that I released actually um, for free. Since I am just starting to release some of my writing out to the public, Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, hey, this would be a good way to, you know, kind of introduce people to my style a little bit and um, just so that they can get a feel for for how I write and the, uh, not that I'll like stick to like the gothic fiction thing all the time. But um, but just kind of get a feel for how I write and like the, the style I might mm-hmm. you know style and genre I might like typically tend to stick to not necessarily all the time but I was yeah. intrigued by it I, I, I just started started it I did not finish it but I will finish it um, <laughs> okay. I like the premise it's cool. a cool idea lost time but kind of not it's yes. when I don't think we're talking aliens here but no. there's definitely something cryptic here I. I you want to just give the premise real quick? Yes. Uh, it is about a, um, a young woman, a young college co-ed. Um, her name's Jane. 
And she's basically uh, going back to, and this is kind of a little personal. For, it's, it's based on something personal. All for the me best because, stuff is. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, well, when I was a kid, um, and I, I was born in northeastern Pennsylvania. Yep, uh, Mountaintop, right? Yes, yeah. uh-huh. Beautiful place. Yes, oh, it's family out gorgeous there. out there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yes, I was, um, you know, I, when I was growing up there, my family and I used to take family vacations up to Mount Pocono. Oh, me too. Yes. I learned how to ski oh. up there. Oh, cool. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but the, the character in uh, Cemetery by the Lake, um, her, you know, her family did the same thing, and, um, but 10 years ago, she had um, just some sort of experience up there that is kind of like lost time. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird, kind of traumatic, and um, basically, she's... Um, you know, she, she's basically had been one of those like kind of lost souls, like kind of going through life and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, she's uh, basically uh, going up there to try to conquer some old demons. Okay, and... um, autobiographical. At all, <laughs> I have maybe. to ask. <laughs> maybe all, all writers tend to do that yes. around the fir- in the beginning. Then they uh-huh. start looking at other people. Then they always tend to come back to come what back they. To it. Yeah. So oh, that yeah. I talking from experience yeah but like yeah but basically um yeah she goes up there and ends up getting a little more than you know what she bargained for and everything so that's about the premise for that one that, and again yes. that is mm-hmm. the cemetery by the lake yes. short story i recommend it folks um, and let's see now poets labyrinth productions yes. i i I was gandering that. Now that's where you have your production music, DVDs, film. Yeah. And you're with Jason English, or yeah. is this your thing? Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. And what what, now, what happens there? What exactly? <laughs> I'm really. That's basically that's kind of the uh, headquarters area. That's um, where all the uh, projects um, kind of see their birth. Okay. And that is also where um, I mean we we basically release all of our stuff through there, okay. and um, and now I think we're moving into um, publishing nice. some writing. So, Good, <laughs> yeah. I like that. I noticed. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's taking up most of your time, from what I see, is your film driving nowhere. My film driving nowhere. That's taken up a lot of time, and so is the uh, first novel in nice. um, my. Uh, forthcoming birthright series um i'm in the final edits for that so i've been like trying to like really you know pushing to get the final revisions done so that i can have it out it's a lot of work yes oh my gosh yes it's a lot more than people think (laughs) oh god yeah because people think like oh i'll just sit down and write a book yeah good luck oh gosh yeah and then um well then like because sometimes when you look on amazon and and, you know and i and of course i support the diy movement and independent authors artists absolutely absolutely however sometimes when you look at like some of these samples and like some of these people who just like literally it, they just it, you you can tell they just kind of like either they just slapped up their their first draft mm. you know or That's frightening yeah, yeah and i'm and it's just kind of like you know? <laughs> i won't even go back and read my stuff after i've ran did the run through 10 times on something and mm-hmm. i send it or somebody gets it or whatever i don't go back and read it because it's harmful <laughs> like oh my god i, I shouldn't have done that i, yes, have I, done I did that. this or yeah, yeah. Just, uh, i will not reread my own stuff i, I, I don't know it's just a thing even but, after it's edited <laughs> i know so. I mean, I, and i do a lot of it and then when yeah exactly i don't want because i don't want even like character mm-hmm. changes things like that yeah or, like why did i do that when i could have done that ah, whatever uh, anyway but mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Enough about me. <laughs> Driving Nowhere. What is that yes. about? Um, well, it is a gothic supernatural thriller. It's about um, three young women who go on a road trip. And they kind of take a turn at this um, and end up at this uh, kind of a fairly innocuous diner. But it's not so... You know, of of course, as as in like you know, as in like these kind of horror esque stories, okay. you know, are like nothing's ever really what it seems. Twilight Zoneish. Twilight Zoneish. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. I, I think in a lot of what I write, though, I I love uh visiting the concept of nothing's what it seems. You know, when I when I wrote Driving Nowhere, I that's how I approached it. Okay. When I wrote Cemetery by the Lake, I approached it. And now like when I'm writing, you know, my my book series, that's how I'm approaching it. Yeah. So, so. do you turn like make a turn halfway through and yes. throw in everybody's throw face? In every, so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's face, yeah. That's cool. I, <laughs> so. That's awesome. Um and the trailer, isn't there a trailer available on There yeah. is. There's a trailer available for Driving Nowhere online. Um we're working on getting the second trailer up and then the third and final like large theatrical trailer so cool cool yeah. I, I i just learned this and i can i don't know how i didn't hit on this maybe i did the first interview mm-hmm. i had with you you're an sru grad or you went to sru i went there yeah you went there okay uh-huh. yeah that's where i graduated from oh, okay. too. yeah, um, yeah I, I just i had an interview with a guy up there folk uh, folk music oh. dude uh, this artist uh william smith you should uh-huh. he's an interesting guy i did it off premise <laughs> sound wasn't all he wasn't in the studio so it wasn't all good but he oh. played live for me it was really oh, cool nice. Yeah, slippery rock people are good. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I knew there was something about you. I oh, like. well, thank you. <laughs> now, you, I, I caught you saying something. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, I don't think it was an interview. I think it was something I read. Yeah. That you love to debunk stuff. I do. Yes. <laughs> Explain that. Because I, I work and deal with a lot of people that, you know, deal with ghosts and Ooh, such. And yeah. yes, and debunking is a big part of it. Yes. But what, what exactly are you talking about there? You know, I'm just one of those people who... You know, and I'm not perfect, but I like to encourage people to look into things for themselves and look outside the box and not just look at what were force-fed through, like, mainstream media and other propaganda. Like chasing Sasquatch and all yeah. that. Like, it's, they hear Howl in the Woods. Oh, there he is. There's there he one. Is. We, we got it on. No, please. And, and you know what? And, it's like, and, and, and even if I, you know, even if I, like, believe that, hey, you know, yeah, that's a possibility, you know... My my thing is, you know, basically kind of think for yourself, you know, my thing is basically just always question things, always question everything. Don't just, you know, take what we're, you know, what we're given by, you know, by, by whatever, like, you know, like, don't just take my word for it. Don't just take this guy's word for it, you know, go in and look at, you know, look at it for yourself. And it just, you know, and even in talking with people, like, especially since, um, my uh, birthright series, it takes place in, I mean, and, and, and I love history. I've always had quite a fascination with history. I'm not an expert at it, you know, because there were some things that when I was writing, um, especially the first book, Descent, that I did have to go and look up because I was a little shaky. Um, Are these available, by the way, for people? They who... will be available. Okay, good. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, just, I, I didn't think I missed anything there. <laughs> no, 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 And no. we got to tell people where to find oh, them. Oh, no, but, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> go on. That's but, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but like... Um, but it's just like when you really it's just amazing what you'll find when when you really bother to research when you really bother to look things up and i just feel like a lot of um not everybody but there's quite you know quite a number of people these days like they just kind of you know believe what they read on believe facebook what they read on facebook <laughs> you know believe what they read you know wherever but believe what you know the talking heads on the, not, not on the tvs tell them nancy grace or... <laughs> 
you know what? I'm going to prove your theory. Uh-huh. I'm going to prove your theory right now because I'm guilty. Um, uh-huh. This is interesting. Yeah. Uh, when I met Richie Patrick from Filter, yeah, and you know Filter, uh, yes. and he worked with Nine Inch Nails, of course. Uh-huh. Met him at, in the South Side after show. Greatest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I approached him because his song "Under" is one of my favorite songs of all time on right. the first album, and I, it actually mm-hmm. provoked me writing a 400-page novel mm-hmm. that is not published yet. Oh. Uh, it's another one completely. But I, ta- I got to tell him, I was like, "Man, you influenced me." with your song Under to write this medieval Dungeons and Dragons 400 page book and it was, it was such a great story your words were amazing mm-hmm. what was the song about and he goes oh it was about taking LSD with Al Jorgensen from Ministry <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah shakes head oh my goodness he, la- he had a good laugh out of it too but he just came out and said that it's Richie like, Patrick it, right? and it inspired your 400 page opus you yeah know? and it's all about him tripping with Al old Uncle Al oh my goodness and there you have yeah. it so you are correct I didn't uh-huh. do my research but, but somehow it fed into but you know what like it, hey but like but that inspired you to do something it you know, that inspired you to write what probably will be a really cool story I appreciate but, um, that. no no problem but the thing is um, is that you know, like I said, when I when I talk about like debunking things, you know, it's it's more of you know, hey, you know, look at this, you know, I know that they're showing you this, but you know what, hey, look at this and take this into consideration, because you know, like I said, in you know, when I especially when I talk to people and you know, or when I see people comment on like social media, um, especially if it's um, on some type of historical event and, mm-hmm. they're, and they're going on and on about how like, oh, it was like this. And like blah, they were blah, there. Blah, like they were there. <laughs> and I'm just like, um, no, you might want to look at this instead of, you know, I mean, like I said, and I mean, we've all been guilty of, you know, yes. <laughs> of doing that. I mean, myself included. However, you know, I, I try to not do it right <laughs> you know? that's good no so, you pick it apart you know, yeah. pick it apart and yeah that's how you learn stuff that's for sure otherwise you mm-hmm. just sit there and just absorb stuff you don't need and exactly. that's what happened and that's to me. when you repeat <laughs> and just you just become like a mouthpiece who just parrots yes. what you hear as opposed to you know questioning and like just at least trying to go and look Absolutely. up yes. you know. Um, and driving nowhere, you, yes. you you get the writing credits as well as mm-hmm. acting in it, correct? Yes. <laughs> um, and what about music? Are you doing anything with that? I am doing a little bit, yes. And um, one of my actresses, um, Heidi Engel, is actually contributing a song too. So yeah, we have like a little bit, you know, little nice mix of. I don't know that I've met her. Music. Has she been in horror realm? No, I don't, no, I don't okay. think so. And now before that, I guess I, somehow we right after I talked with you, um, cyclical effect. Cyclical oh, Effect, that's yeah. another movie, 2012. Uh-huh. Yes. What was that one about? Because I, I kind of missed that one. <laughs> but is that available to... Yeah, yeah. It's basically um, kind of like the uh, under the uh, bad side of the dating services. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, Whoa, okay. Like yeah. Craigslist? or what? Sort of, yes. <laughs> Evil mm-hmm. Craigslist? Evil Craigslist. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. I mean, really. Yeah. I like that. I, uh, how do we find that? Um, well, Faux Pas Films has it on their website, I believe. Okay. And um, I think, I, I believe it's available on Amazon. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but yes, I know Faux Pas Films has it um, at their store. It's, cool. Um, yeah, they spell it. They're Faux Pas, F A. U-X, yeah, let's see, yeah. If I can, let's see if I can spell without my coffee Fraunch. here. It's very French, you know? yes. <laughs> it's very French. Yeah, it's uh. F-A-U-X. Um, 
PAS films, so yeah. Now, so, I, I, something else about you that I found very interesting mm-hmm. is your musical influences from uh, your grandparents. Yes. That, I think we may have hit on that a little bit that yeah. first time around. Uh-huh. Um, did they teach you, or was it just the music they played? It was a little bit of both. They, they taught me a little bit, um, and the music they played also you know, influenced me too. So yes. What were they like? What, what exactly were your grandparents? Your grandparents would probably be my parents' age. <laughs> so doo-wop, sixties, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Fifties, sixties. Um, you know, they, they did a lot of kind of the old style country, like in the, oh, okay. in the tradition of Bluegrass like and... Patsy Cline. Oh, there you go. Hank Williams. That the real sort of country. Real country. Yes, not okay. the country pop or whatever. You know? <laughs> I, I asked that cause uh, like your remake of Scarborough Fair, I thought was yes. pretty amazing. It's Thanks. Been, it's been two or three years since I played mm-hmm. it. I, I probably want to play that again this mm-hmm. time around. We'll see. We'll talk okay. about that. Yeah, we'll see. Absolutely. We'll see. What, what, maybe we'll just surprise them at the end of we'll the show. Yeah. <laughs> Give them a little shock. <laughs> <laughs> but so your grandparents. So yes. that's, a, that's a great, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think there could be a better influence, actually. No, it does shape and mold not. you to who you yeah. are and who you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Now, musically, that's something else entirely. That's, that, that's really cool. My dad had a lot to do with that with me and oh, okay. being open to all music. Yeah. In all types. Because mm-hmm. it's so boring. People are, yeah. I, when people say I listen to everything that's uh-huh. kind of that's a cop-out no yes. you don't no no yeah. what do you like oh i don't know anything just put something on anything yeah that's it's annoying like, no. come on there's something you want to hear right now yes. and you're not telling me <laughs> yeah exactly or they don't like music which i've come like across music. that ever come across that i have it's kind of like i don't understand not I having music understand. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand not having that in your life me neither oh so this was something uh heavy mental Yes. A rock and roll bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> what was that one? We didn't talk about that last Well, time. that's actually um, Silver Bullet Pictures. Okay. Um, that, let's see, it's been a, quite a little while since I filmed that. But, um, yeah, Silver Bullet Pictures, it's um, distributed by Troma Entertainment. So oh, you can okay. only imagine how twisted that gets. Oh, yeah, gets. of course. <laughs> Fun. It's, wherever Troma's involved. You know? I saw the original Toxie in the theater opening night. Ooh, yeah, so that nice. give you an idea. I, I don't know. I, I think I was 16. I have no uh-huh. idea. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, but that's basically about, like, kind of like taking on the whole gang of thugs, um, terrorizing the town. Um, I like the title. But of course, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, of of course, um, you know, adding a little bit of heavy metal into it. Perfect. And, you know. Perfect. And then having it just, you know, having adding a little bit of trauma-esque shenanigans in it. It's, you know? <laughs> that is the term. <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> oh, yes. Especially with trauma. <laughs> now, I, I, something, let's see here. Award-winning script, Indie Gathering. I thought yes. that 2012. Mm-hmm. I saw a blurb on that. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't hear about that. What was that about? Um, you didn't, well, you didn't tell me that. Oh, I, I didn't saw tell you that. Horror, yeah. I saw you at Horror Realm. You were just kind of like chill, but <laughs> um, you I'm really, being modest. You were, be, you were being very <laughs> modest. You had a lot going on. Yeah. Hence, you're here today. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was that? The 2012 okay. Indie Gathering. Yes. Well, my screenplay, Driving Nowhere, actually mm. won Best Horror Short Script. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very, congratulations Thank on that. Thank you. So, yeah. And that was actually, um, when that happened, I was, and, and this kind of goes back to me releasing writing now. Um, when that happened, um, I was thinking about, because um, I've always been very private with my writing. Um, releasing, uh, my album, you know, and my own, you know, and my own poetry. We're Some, talking about poet at this Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Releasing that. I mean, that was kind I mean, that was kind of releasing my writing because obviously they're my song lyrics or some of my poetry that were converted into songs. Um, but as far as releasing, um, my own fiction and all that stuff. And for, for some reason, I've just always been very private about that. Um, but 
when um, when I wrote Driving Nowhere and then it won for Best Horror Short Script, I was like, this thing, I was like, because at that time I was like kind of debating, I was like, okay, should I pursue that avenue or not? And then when Driving Nowhere won, I was like, you know, maybe my writing doesn't suck after all, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's somebody telling you something. Yeah. Or a lot of mm-hmm. people telling or you something. A lot of people. That's a nice awakening then. Yeah, so that's when I really got the idea for, um, you know, to, to do my, uh, not only my novel series, um, which completely took a completely different turn from what my original idea that I had for it. Um, but to also go into my backlist of short stories, which is actually where I got Cemetery by the Lake from, and then another one that I'm going to be releasing here soon, but like go back into my backlisting of short stories and think, okay, yeah, like what can I do with this? Compilation? Okay. Like a compilation of short stories? Compilation of short stories and also, um, you know, since you can also like just sell them one at a time as well, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, of course, like like, you know, like Cemetery by the Lake needed edited and like a lot of them need edited and everything. But, you know, but like with some editing, like, yeah, you know, if these can actually make like cool little releases, you know, that's one thing. Yeah, it is a release. But it, yeah, it's also, you know, because you want to perform. That's that's your performance. Yes. You want people to read it. Yeah. You know, and then get back mm-hmm. to you. And sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you're releasing too much of your soul and people tear yeah. it apart and you're like, well, so you step back. I kind of, yeah. I step back. I, I, I don't think I'll ever read a review. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. You know, how about I've, you? Or... I've, I've stopped reading reviews, actually. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, even, even though like, yeah, they've been like, 95 percent positive that's good <laughs> you know like 90 95 percent positive it's still it's like even with positive reviews it can still kind of go to your head you know and then you're like and then it's like when that happens there's that danger of not really knowing where you can improve yeah. you know uh you know what i'm gonna on that note um you know john russo yes he does the horror realm mm-hmm. with us john russo wrote the original night of the living dead uh screenplay he he's been in here of course and he mm-hmm. said when, when asked, he does not watch any zombie movies. Mm. He will not watch anything new or old because he doesn't want to be influenced. Influence, first yeah. of all, they made the first flesh-eating ones anyway. Right. But he will not watch them. And I find mm. that interesting. That's like me or you not listening to heavy metal or reading yeah. horror. Yeah. I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do that either. <laughs> you know? But that's, uh, I mean, he keeps it original. He, has a, bo- he has a book coming out. Everyone's different, too. you know. Yeah, that's a different approach. But mm-hmm. and he has a book coming out. And I can't wait to actually read this thing i hear it's yeah. really good but mm-hmm. that's another story but yeah i i will not read reviews so you're all right i'm, I'm glad i'm not the only one yeah no you know what there's, there's actually a lot of people out there i've actually run into a lot of people who don't read reviews because a they don't if it you know even if it's a good review it's like you know yeah i appreciate that you loved mm-hmm. the story however i don't want too you know if you get too many of them i don't want to get to a point to where i'm like okay you know well i don't need to improve or anything and then when you get to Negative reviews, sometimes they are useful, and yes. sometimes they do point out things that, hey, maybe you missed, or your editor missed, or whatever, but then you get, of course, like, you know, this sucked, yeah. or, and, then, and, and then you get the people who you wonder, okay, did you even read it, or <laughs> okay, did you even listen to it, okay, did you, you know, because it's like, because the, the review is just kind of like... <laughs> okay, either you're you didn't even read or listen to it, or you did and you just totally missed the boat. You know, which I mean, it, which happens, I guess. Yeah, but like, yeah, you know, but you know, and then you have the whole issue with like people just kind of trolling and just like trying to get you know, and 
It's like, have you, you know, dealt with that? Any uh, weirdos? You know, a little bit, yeah. you know, not and thankfully not too much. Most of the people who have commented on my stuff have been like really cool, you, you know. So which is you know which is great. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, you put yourself out there. I mean, mm-hmm. every once in a, while, I mean, <laughs> you know, you're going to get it, and yep. you you can't let it bother you because, you know, and my approach to this is. And, you know, this is interesting because I was listening to um, this uh, underground wellness um, website and podcast that I listen to. Oh, it's okay. all on, like, holistic alternative medicine, all that stuff. Um, but he was talking with um, this uh, woman, uh, Marie Forleo, who does, like, you know, who's, like, you know, marketing and all that stuff. Okay. And, like, and he had her on, on his podcast. And they were talking about, like, you know, this very subject. Mm-hmm. Like, you know trolls, negative people, all that stuff. And um, and they said something really interesting. They said, um, when you see somebody who's there just tearing up, like, you know, not even really even giving constructive criticism, mm-hmm. just, you know, tearing at a new... I don't know if we can swear on the show. Absolutely. Okay, tearing at a new asshole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Okay. As a matter of tearing- fact, John Russo was the first person to drop the F-bomb on this show. Oh, nice. <laughs> but it was, he did it with class. So. With class. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, but just like, you know, but just like being an outright, you know, asswipe, you know, negative asswipe, mm-hmm. you know. Um, with nothing else to with do. With nothing else to and do. And it creates, uh, that's how they create their own blog, because they hate everything. Exactly. Hating but- everything is boring to me. <laughs> yeah, me too. But the thing is, it's like, they, they said something interesting. It was, when they see that, that's probably somebody who's in a lot of pain, somebody who's probably a very tortured soul probably somebody who has had a lot of failures in life and they don't like to see Mm -hmm. somebody else out there doing their thing and being successful with it and good point instead of getting angry or upset to have compassion for that person i was like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. like that's brilliant (laughs) you know because you know i mean because i mean i've been through some pretty low times in my life um and you know, even when I was at my worst, it never once occurred to me to go onto somebody else's webpage and just... And annihilate them. And annihilate yeah. them. Yeah. So I can only imagine, like, how somebody like that is, pro- you know, how sad. their life is. Yeah. So, it, you know, in a way, it's like almost be sad for them. Yeah. Of, you know? It is. Uh, on that same note, like, what I do, mm-hmm. like, when I read, or for me, when I get listen to a really bad album, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, I guess it's more of a reading or watching a horror movie. I, yeah. I did this when I was a kid. Instead mm-hmm. of hating on it, and I do yeah. hate on it, right. I keep it inside, and then I make something better with it. Like, a, yes. as a kid, I used to write uh, a better script for a horror movie that I, I right. hated. I'm like, this could have been better if they did this. So yeah. I played with it on my own. Mm-hmm. Whether it was with, I said this before, whether it was on paper or with my own action figures. Yeah. I was like, you know, like, I would portray a better story, make it better. So when I read something, and I have read something, books lately that I just like so disappointed I used I did what they didn't do right I took what I and you know maybe I'm wrong mm-hmm. but at least I'm taking that shot and doing the complete opposite of what yeah they did. And, and you know and that's productive you know it's a, that's a lot more productive than like you know getting online and be you know like like there was this um one uh person who left this review for actually a film that I'm in and everything oh, which one which um one? I think it was the girl or something I like was gonna that. ask you about the girl and, 2011 yeah, right yeah, yeah and like and he left a, like a one-star review on IMDb and he goes oh I watched this movie and I couldn't wait to get to my computer and, you know, and give it a one-star review. And I was like, really? 
Well, first of like, all, you could really? do that from your phone if you really exactly. want to. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm like, and I'm like, really, like that's 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 what your day consisted of yuck. is like, you know, and I'm like, I that's like just a, that when I say yuck, I'm mm-hmm. bored with that. Exactly. <laughs> yuck. Exactly, and, and even when I when I blog about you know things and people, I mean, even if what I watched or read or listened to wasn't my thing, I try to find. Some like a kernel of mm-hmm. you know something to say you know to be positive about because right. you know what everybody has to start somewhere absolutely and none of us start out perfect I mean I look at some of like my earlier song lyrics I look at some of my early poetry some of my early stories mm-hmm. and I'm just like oh my gosh well, you know? <laughs> but you can admit that exactly but you know what but that's how you learn and you know I mean and, and that's the thing though everybody has to start somewhere and. You know what? What might be a piece of crap now, you know, who knows? Maybe that person will learn from that. And mm-hmm. in five to ten years, we'll probably be producing masterpieces. So you never yeah, know. Absolutely. You know, so I always try to not completely, you know, rag on somebody. Right. You know? Go to the dark side. Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, there is something. I, like, I watch a lot of 50s, 60s horror movies. Mm-hmm. And predominantly, pretty much they're all kind of bad in one way or another. <laughs> But that's they have due to charm. time. They have the them. charm. Yeah. But, uh-huh. but like, uh, you take a stupid movie like uh, Attack of the Eye People, okay? Yeah. MST 3000. They destroyed it. I loved that movie as a kid because the monsters were so cool looking. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they had, they had a really creepy sound. Yeah. And the woods were creepy, even though it was supposed to be nighttime and it was daytime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but there was some, uh, some appeal. I took something from that to yeah. use later. You know, mm-hmm. there's some, some uh, atmosphere. Atmosphere. Yes. I get ripped mm-hmm. on for this one. You ever see the movie Let's Scare Jessica to Death? Yeah. We did. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love the movie. And we did, uh, Lydia Peaver, the author, we did a review on that. Mm-hmm. And um, I get a ripping for light- loving that movie. Really? Yeah. And I just like the whole idea of it, but mostly I like the atmosphere of it. Mm-hmm. So I take that and I use it in my writing. Yeah. How they did things, the silence and the whispers and things like that. Even if you don't like the actors, you find mm-hmm. something good and yes. use it. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying there. But Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know if that's what you do, or you just you just yeah, rather you know, than rag, you just take yeah, a piece of it. I try to take a, you know something from it that you know, hey, you know this, you know this was pretty cool, and maybe if they expand on this, you know they they can get better and everything. But with, yeah, you know, and and that that's what I did. That's what we all did. Yeah. With, with that in mind, like what has what what horror movies stick out? Or books stick out mm-hmm. and have influenced you. Like what? What? what what's your go-to? Gosh. I've asked you in the in the past. I did, but we didn't really. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we went to music with that one instead yes. of a book or movie. Mm-hmm. So what? What? Where do you go? I love all just the really old stuff. Um, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature so. from the Black Lagoon, and even going as far back as the uh, silent film era. Mm. Um, going as far back as that, uh, going as far back as, um, I love like Bram Stoker, Mary Shelley. Um, oh yeah. I love, I, I actually, I tend to gravitate. I mean, I, I love some modern writers. Like I love Stephen King. Um, I love, I mean, you you gotta love Stephen King. This is his son, (gasps) Joe Hill. Sweet. Yes. Heart shaped box. (laughs) Yeah. I just picked this up at, uh, LJ's. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris Rickard put it aside for me. Yes. You know what? I picked I picked the uh, paperback version up there too. You're she, the one. <laughs> yeah, I was the culprit. <laughs> I came in. She had one set, set aside. She's like, you know, I had a 
another one for you, but it's gone. But I got this. I got this, and so I had to pay a little more. I don't uh, care. I don't yeah. care. I love hard uh, hard covers. Oh, it's I awesome. love hard covers too. But yeah, okay. you were the I one. Mean, That's funny. Yeah, I was the culprit. Yeah, I, I stole the paperback heart shaped box. I don't think she knew, knew you were going to be in here today. Otherwise, I'd have her call in. She didn't get back to me last night. I. Uh, but yeah, she's. I, I love Chris. She's oh, great. Yeah, and she's and awesome. L, it's not LJ's anymore. It's yeah, it's Rickard and Beagle. Rickard and Beagle yes, bookstore. Uh-huh. Yes, another plug for you, Chris. <laughs> yes, <laughs> great place. Um, you, have you done signings there yet, or anything? Not or? yet. No. You need to, um, she'll do it for you. You got to go in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think when I release um Descent uh, this summer, this late spring, early summer, um, I will be doing a little bit more of that. Um, that's that's why I didn't really I didn't do uh, the spring horror round this year, just because. Yeah, me either. Yeah, just because I was like, well, you know, I'm still. I'm still putting out like my new stuff and I'm with you before I did another show I wanted to have my new stuff we'll, we'll both be there in the fall then sweet absolutely yeah. <laughs> um, so now I own Poet that's your full length album mm-hmm. uh, when are we going to see this second one come to fruition before summer or what do you think maybe um, not you're too busy with uh, I think we're I think we're like I said I'm going to start um, releasing songs probably so in the summer just one, okay, one at a time full length like you said time, full, yes. we won't see a CD for some time though. probably not a full CD okay. till next year so, yeah. um, I saw mm-hmm. this too, Three Pale Queens. Yes. That was a single you released. So you did yeah. that earlier on. It's well, 2011. Mm-hmm. So you, you were doing this already, one song at a time thing. Yeah, you know, that that actually came from, at the time I was doing a sort of living room session series. Oh, on, nice. On so it was live or something? Yeah, or? yeah. Oh, okay. On YouTube as well as um, recording them live. Uh, can we still and see this on YouTube? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, again, it's mm-hmm. called Three Pale Queens, folks. Yes. Check uh-huh. that out. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, you're good. No, but that, that basically, that came from a series of living room sessions that I did. Sometimes I'd do them by myself. Sometimes I would do them with other musician friends. And, you know, we would just do kind of like an acoustic jam thing. And it, it was it was fun. And I might do it again. I uh, Like I said, just got really busy, so it kind of got put on the back burner. But um, but I think like once I you know release some more of my stuff and get more um, more projects done, get you know a couple books out, a couple songs out, and finish up driving nowhere, I'll pro- I might start that up again. Body so. of work, you have to yeah. have a body of work. When <laughs> you set up that table, you want to have a bunch of stuff for yes. people to look at. Mm-hmm. I've gone out with just one thing, and it doesn't really work and too well. No. <laughs> um, but, but when I go out with like say John Towers, we have mm-hmm. multiple things we could put out, yes. and at least people will stand there and talk to you for a bit. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. we did okay with our comic book. I have to say, oh yeah, we did. Okay, mm-hmm. we really did. I was proud to work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what else you got? I'm sure you have some more. Huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. Uh, well, I yeah. Well, yeah. The, my uh, cheat sheet, my uh, excerpt of um, of some uh, parts of Descent, <laughs> the, which is book one in the Birthright series. Okay. Do we mm-hmm. get to hear anything? Else? You, you, you can. We can hear some stuff. It's up to you. So, yeah, it's up absolutely. to you. No pressure. I, I brought. I, I brought these excerpts for a reason. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, okay. Let me check my uh, stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure I have everything in order. But um, editing in process right now. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, these aren't like the fully edited mm-hmm. excerpts, but they're like one of more one of the more recent drafts. Okay. So um, I'm still going to be polishing up, polishing it up a little bit. But um, yeah, so um, this uh, first excerpt. Um, let me make sure I have them all separated. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. All right, like this first excerpt. Um, well, I, I sent you the synopsis yes. of the series. And um, it's basically, it's a kind of a dark gothic, dark fantasy um, with some horror elements, some romance elements. Always it's, good. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but the um, the book, it starts out in the year 1844. 
and where we first meet the four um, patriarchs of you know of the families that are going to descend from them, uh, hence the title descent. <laughs> yeah, <Very> um, nice. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but we uh, the book starts out where we, we meet the four patriarchs. Um, Nikolai Ganush, who is a uh, Romani slave in Romania. Um, and he and his little brother escaped from their slave village. Um, I'm not going to say what the circumstances were just oh, yet. Oh, yeah, don't give know? it all away. Don't, don't yeah. give it all away. Yeah. Teasers know? are good. Teasers exactly. are good. Exactly. But, yeah, but they but they escaped from their um, rum slave village, um, from their, from their, their, slave, their slave master's property. And... Um, and then we have Jonathan Blake, who is an Irishman living, a you know, eighteen-year-old Irishman. These men, except for James Livingston, are relatively young. But um, but yeah, but he's um, he's Irish, and he's living on the um, Midwest, you know, American Midwest, um, near the uh, what was at that time the um, Illinois slash Iowa territory. And he meets a young woman from a nearby Sioux. Native American tribe, and you know yes. they fall in love, and all I love that, anything all that happy stuff, with anything you know? with Native Americans. Yes. I'm always interested. Yes, so. mm-hmm. and you, so you got a good taste of history, then, and we're going to get a little taste of it from this. I yeah. guess. that's that's always so you mm-hmm. you really had to work for this. I did, <laughs> and then we have James Livingston, who's um, middle aged. He's about like fifty ish, and he's. Um, Actually, the Livingston clan, the Livingston family, was actually one of the um, original, among the original founders of the country. So James Livingston's story is like sort of based in fact. That's you cool. Know, based a little bit. In That's fact. always good. Yeah. People like that stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. That means the History Channel will show the movie when it comes out. Oh uh, yeah, ho- hopefully, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, and then we have Hector Fuentes, who's a 16-year-old grandson of. Um, of one of the uh, colonizers of, of the Spanish colonizers of Mexico. So we have like a little, you know, a nice little mix there. Very, yeah. I'd so. say very mm-hmm. interesting. I'm already interested. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well with this, um, this first excerpt, um, this, this first excerpt takes place in the year 1844. And, uh, the character Nikolai, he's, he's 19 at this time. And, um, he, um, you know, he took, like I said, took his little brother out, um, out of their slave village and, um, you know, they're the only family that they have. And he's starting to experience some, you know, as it happens in some of these horror, dark fantasy books, some really odd things. And he's taken on kind of a very bizarre, very twisted, uh, journey by a hooded by like a hood oh. like a cloaked visitor okay and um with this and this excerpt is basically um this first excerpt is basically that going on so i figured you know without giving too much away i could um, i have to ask you the hooded cloaked figure is this a specter is it a demon is it a person it could be oh, either oh okay. it could be either good answer <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. It okay. could be either. So, you know, it, it's not really confirmed in this excerpt. So, okay. And it's not really confirmed until, like, later on. So. All right. Okay. Cool. I like that. All right. So this first excerpt, he um, he basically, the, 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 the patch of forest that he and his brother were, sleep, were sleeping in had just gotten... Um, basically engulfed in fog and they just actually and the moon pretty much like 
descended down and like is now just hovering over the trees and so you can basically see every crater and you know Perfect. so and um he was ex- and nikolai was basically unable to move while this um hooded creature was like kind of floating toward them mm. and he basically he blacked out and this um this scene starts with him coming to and then We'll read no, from there. Go so, for it, <laughs> okay. You definitely set the stage. Okay. <laughs> uh, hope, hopefully. <laughs> so. I got it in my head. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right. So here goes. Okay. A violent throbbing pounded in Nikolai's head as he came to consciousness. He kept his eyes shut and brought a hand over to where the pain was, letting out a loud groan as he rolled onto his side. Then his eyes shot open at his realization of the ability to move. Slowly, he started pulling himself to sitting with his eyes still on the ground and rested his elbows on his knees. His palms pressed to his forehead as he coaxed the stubborn pain away. Nikolai opened his eyes as the pain finally evaporated. It was then he noticed the dark olive skin on his forearm had a glowing reddish tint. Trying to gauge the source, he lifted his head to look upward and jumped back when he saw the giant red moon above him. It was a bloody red and filled a pitch-black starless sky. The orb was barely brushing the tips of grotesquely twisted gnarled branches on the large sturdy trees that surrounded him. He was able to make out thick black bark and not a single leaf grew. Despite their tangled and and uneven appearance, the branches appeared unbreakable. Like contorted arms, they reached toward Nikolai as his eyes were fully adjusted. He moved them downward to the area next to him where his little brother was, had been sleeping, only to find the place empty. Sebastian, his eyes also, his, ah, his bag also missing. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> if I can right. only talk. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's why they call it a live read. Exactly, live read. <laughs> so... His bag, his bag was also missing. He stood upright, frantically surveying his surroundings. He cleared his throat, testing his voice before calling out to his brother. Nikolai listened, waiting, awaiting a reply. But the shallow echo of his voice through the trees was the only response. He took a step forward, hearing his boots crunch on the barren, rocky soil as he called out to Sebastian again. The forest remained still, thus forcing Nikolai to acknowledge his apparent solitude. He tried searching for an indication of his own whereabouts, along with his brother's. He could be anywhere. The voice was far away, though clear as a bell. Nikolai panicked. God, Sebastian, where are you? He had no idea of what he would do if he lost his brother. Sebastian, he screamed, no longer caring if he drew attention to himself. All he wanted was his brother. The trees seemed to be alive, breathing as they loomed over the young man, taunting him. He caught a movement in his right-hand periphery among a cluster of trees. Nikolai turned in the direction, narrowing his eyes. He took a step forward. A tentative step forward, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sebastian? Nobody answered, but the individual in question began moving toward him. Nikolai maintained his stance placing a hand on, the da- on his dagger sheath that hung from his hip. The, emer- the emerging silhouette was too large to be an 11-year-old boy. Who's there? Nikolai's adrenaline rushed, the way it had the night they took Eloisa. 
as the other presence continued into the clearing. His eyes widened as he found himself face to face with the same cloaked visitor, his black... Ah, the same cloaked visitor. Damn life readings. <laughs> it's Black Cloak. Okay. You're too descriptive. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's Black Cloak hung just before the heel of, of high black leather boots and pulled up over dark colored pants appearing to be made of heavy wool material. The two fixed on one another as two swordsmen, each challenging the other to a duel. Nikolai considered the possibility of his visitor being associated with the Dom. With that in mind, he tightened his grip on the handle of his dagger, preparing to remove it from the sheath as he spoke. If you have done, any, if you have done anything to my brother, do not think I wouldn't hesitate to slice your throat. I have done it already. If a fight to the death was necessary, Nikolai was prepared and willing. But to his surprise, the figure turned from him and began walking into the black tangled brush. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Nikolai lowered his dagger. What is going on here? <clears throat> the figure turned back, and with a gloved hand, it beckoned to the young man. Nikolai called out to him. What do you want? Where's my brother? If you know where he is, please tell me. Take a pause yeah, here take for a, pause. a sip. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, <laughs> if you want to take a sip, yeah, we can halt. <laughs> yeah, I am on the edge of my seat here. I'm okay. curious what's going on. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Continuing. <laughs> the figure offered no answers and instead lifted the leather-gloved hand, again motioning for Nikolai to follow. With his hand on his dagger, Nikolai lingered, looking from the figure to the never-ending brush behind him. He turned back to face his visitor. It had become apparent that, his, that this cloaked individual was not leaving until Nikolai followed and obeyed. Nikolai drew in a jagged breath and slowly walked toward the still figure. Sure enough, the figure turned his back to the young man and started into the forest. The woods thickened as they ventured deeper, and the red moon offered very little light. Nikolai kept his eyes forward, maintaining a safe distance between himself and his new companion while simultaneously trying to not lose sight of the black cloak. It was very unsettling to him how void of life this forest was, without so much as a light breeze to blow on a single twig. Their footsteps were accentuated by the eerie silence surrounding them. Finally, the two arrived at the edge, which opened up to a rocky shoreline. Nikolai caught up to where the cloaked individual stood and looked out to the ocean in front of them. The water splashed back and forth at their feet, and the giant moon spread across the horizon, casting red beams onto the ocean. The sight was mesmerizing, and Nikolai fought the trance that seemed to be slipping in on him. There's something I could edit. <laughs> you know? Clumsy sentence you, structure. I gotta you know? tell you, the visuals are awesome. <laughs> oh, thank I mean, you. Really, I'm, I'm, I've seen the moon do that to the ocean, and there's nothing like it. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Especially if it's a blood red moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He turned his head, hoping to get a better look at the cloaked individual. The physical build of a man was evident, and a warm, heavy breeze from the ocean slid the hood back just enough for the a slint. Ah, a thin slate of a mouth and a pronounced pale jawline to be made visible. The man turned his head to meet Nikolai's stare from beneath the shadow of his hood and gestured a black-gloved hand toward the ocean. 
Nikolai turned his gaze back to the water and saw a boat approaching them. Mm-hmm. The large vessel appeared to be made from the same thick black wood of the forest trees. It was built to resemble a Viking ship, curling up at both ends. As it drew closer, Nikolai was able to make out a dragon head carved into the front bow. The boat was empty and moved on its own, seeming to know the destination it needed to reach. Nikolai jumped out of the way as it reached the shore and came to a stop in front of them. He brought his hands to his ears as a rather unearthly high-pitched roar was released as the vessel scraped to shore. When all was still, the hooded figure signaled for Nikolai to follow him onto the small ship. The two sat across from one another, with Nikolai facing out to sea. He noticed the boat was without oars or anything else that could be used to steer it. As the vessel left shore, it let out a loud creak that almost resembled an agonizing groan one might let out upon being sentenced to eternal damnation. Perhaps I've died, Nikolai thought absently as the boat began to drift. I died and I'm being taken to hell. Nikolai wrenched to attention and his heart thudded rapidly at the realization. He did not want to leave Sebastian alone and for the boy to wake up in the morning beside his corpse. What would his little brother do? Nikolai uh, Nikolai stared at the giant moon on the horizon, unable to hide the anxiety he felt as the boat as the boat continued gliding over the vast waters. He felt anger toward the hooded man and his claim and his calm, dignified silence. He had the urge to grab his companion, strangle him with that cloak, and throw him overboard. But his attention was ah, was thwarted when he saw an island appear in the distance, one that was similar to where he just was with a thick forest of tall trees and the giant red moon hovering just beyond them. As the boat drew closer to shore, Nikolai noticed a a rather foul stench projecting out from the island. There also was something rather offsetting about the trees. They appeared to move. Nikolai shifted in his seat and strained to get a better look. He could hear faint, violent choking and moans mingled among throaty gurgling. He kept his eyes on the trees, and the closer they drew to shore, the more overpowering the stench became. Nikolai turned his attention to the cloaked man, who did not appear at all bothered. Dread pulsed through him as he came to recognize the unpleasant odor. He glanced over at the island and saw that the trees were not trees at all. Nikolai's eyes grew wide as he beheld thousands of rotting corpses in various states of decay impaled on large wooden stakes. Some were still alive and grasping on their last threads of life as they hung helplessly to their poles. The calls of scavenger birds from above blended with the agonized cries from the island's forest of bodies. Nikolai turned his eyes upward and saw the shapes of crows, buzzards, and another kind of avian creature that appeared almost reptilian. The boat finally docked on the beach, letting out another unsettling groan. The cloaked man rose and then glanced at Nikolai before stepping from the boat. Nikolai remained seated, watching as the figure took slow, steady strides up the beach. He turned his head to look back in the direction from when they had, ah, from the direction which they had, from which they had come, viewing the red water stretching out into the darkness. He considered jumping into the ocean and swimming back. Nikolai was a strong swimmer, and the boat hadn't seemed, the boat ride hadn't seemed to be all that long. 
there was a strong possibility that he could make it back. But make it back to where? And to that other island with the black forest? And then what? He was stricken with having to face damnation into hell's fiery pits. After all, he did commit murder. Nikolai looked back up at the sky and searched for any sign of God. What I did was justified. Can you not see that? The agonizing cries of those impaled on the stakes were his only response. Defeated, he lowered his eyes and resigned himself to his fate. The cloaked man still stood on the rocky shore, staring at Nikolai as he waited. At this time, Nikolai understood that his choices were limited. As he followed the cloaked figure into the forest, he could feel the eyes of the suffering upon him, as his eyes were when you murdered him. Despite his efforts at keeping his eyes forward, Nikolai caught sight of a flock of crows perched on a wooden stake, tearing away at the rotting flesh and muscle of a carcass. The corpse stared back at him, its face almost eaten away. Chunks of muscle still clung to the skull, and one of the, and one of the eyes hung out from the socket, dangled by a fibrous string. The flesh around the mouth was gone, giving the corpse a permanent, hideous grin. Nikolai's stomach jolted when the carcass let out a strained moan. Crows, buzzards, and the reptilian birds were also perched on the stakes and limbs of many other bodies. I'm certain they never go hungry here, Nikolai thought. Nikolai thought. The idea amused him slightly, but that evaporated when he acknowledged that that what these individuals were enduring just might be his fate. To suffer and to wish for death to come, but it never would. Nikolai swallowed and drew his gaze up to the birds circling in the red moonlight while surveying the banquet beneath them. He brought his eyes forward again as heavy shame and hopelessness permeated him. Tears threatened the rims of his eyes. Eloisa, Sebastian, forgive me. A clearing at the end of the forest came to view. Nikolai swallowed and struggled to maintain his stance while anticipating what awaited him on the other side. An abyss, a fiery pit filled with bloodthirsty demons, ready to tear me apart. Nikolai felt anger and sorrow toward the unfairness of it all. How is he dead and going to hell, leaving Sebastian all alone, while Anton Alexandrescu is still alive? His legs trembled violently and began and began collapsing beneath him as they tr as they arrived at the forest's edge but none of it was anything nikolai expected <clears throat> stretching out before them was a beautiful crisp green field and a blue sky decorated with white clouds overhead a small workshed stood several feet away and what appeared to be a two-story farmhouse was even further down Nikolai looked up and saw a break in the sky, the separation between the blackest night of the island and the bright blue daylight of the field. He slowly reached out and touched the tips of his fingers to a membrane barrier that guarded between the field and the island. He drew his hand back when he felt that familiar magnetic surge once again. Nikolai dared to question his cloaked companion. Where are we? Hope had replaced his anguish. Perhaps he was not going to hell after all. Eloisa, where is she? When can I see her? And can we somehow go back and help Sebastian? Please, he is only a little boy. The cloaked man was silent before answering, No, you cannot. And Eloisa is not here. His tone was deep and raspy. Nikolai's heart swelled with despair. Well, can you please at least tell me why you've brought me here? 
I cannot spend an eternity without Eloisa. I may as well just go to hell. The figure pointed toward the field. Look. Nikolai turned back to the field. His anger cooled when he saw two little boys, both about seven years of age, chasing and kicking around a ball. Both had heads of thick hair, one sandy and the other very dark. Nikolai watched them, taking in how happy and carefree they seemed. The two boys were experiencing simple pleasures of childhood, something he had very little of growing up. He also felt a familiarity with the boys and strained to get a better look at them as the magnetic shield began to dissolve, shifting the time from day to night. The boys in their innocent game of chasing a ball vanished. Cool night air of an autumn night accompanied the fragrance of fallen leaves. It is safe to cross over if you wish to do so, the cloaked man said and stepped forward onto the field. Nikolai followed. After seeming to ponder for a moment, the man added, Death has not taken you. That is not why you are here. But I am afraid I cannot tell you much more than I, what I already have. Nikolai's brow furrowed. Will I be taken back to my brother? Soon. As they walked out to the on the uh, ah, as they walked out on the field, the island, the blood moon, the crows, buzzards, flying reptiles, the forest of impaled human bodies, its unbearable heat and stench, all disappeared behind them, re being replaced by a lush forest covered with leaves of the season. A late harvest moon shone on the emblem etched onto the clasp fastening the man's cloak. Nikolai recognized the seal as belonging to the Order of the Dragon and wondered how he hadn't noticed it until then. The man slowly turned his head to Nikolai, who quickly looked away. They continued across the field, passing the shed, and came to a halt within a few feet from the house. A large oak tree stood at the, at the side of the colonial farmhouse, and under the tree was a tall, sandy-haired young man with a lean, solid build. He was embracing a rather petite, raven-haired girl his age. Nikolai felt the love radiating from the young couple. The scene was a cruel reminder of what he once had with Eloisa. His stomach turned as the gruesome details re-entered his mind, the gruesome horror of that last night he saw her alive. He forced away the thoughts as the two lovers parted their embrace, still holding on to one another as they spoke in English, a language Nikolai only knew a few words of. The idea of somehow learning more of the language occurred to him, especially if he was going to be taking Sebastian to live in America. He looked over at the cloaked man, who also stood facing the young couple. Nikolai could sense sadness, as if the man had also experienced a great loss at some time, and for a moment he felt a remorse from him. It continues, the man said suddenly. What? As the man turned to face Nikolai... The latter began seeing facial features beneath the hood. And that's... Oh, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah. I'm like leaning closer. I'm like, I can look at your paper. Um, there are so many questions. It, uh -huh. it seems like almost with every twist, you open mm -hmm. up 10 new doorways. <laughs> yes. And the details are amazing. I, I really... I could be, I saw all of that. I saw all of cool. that. And I love, honestly, you, you did something there. It's one of my, and I talked to Lydia Peaver again, uh -huh. our author about this. I love a story that has a scene, even whether it's the beginning or whatever, mm -hmm. somebody on a boat getting to an island, everything's dark. You don't know what's on the island. Yeah. That always, always, some of the best movies start out that way because mm -hmm. that it's just the idea of a voyage, a, a quest. Yes. 
and there's this island, and I love that the trees became people dying. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. There's a lot going on there. Yes, and that's there just is. one of your four major characters, right? Yes. That's one uh that's yeah, one of four um major patriarchs and then and then um the second half of the book takes takes place in the year 1931. Okay. And then, now this is Descent, right? This is Descent. It's not yes. called The Descent, it's Descent. It's just Descent, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's going to be available when? Um <laughs> <laughs> got to plug your stuff. Definitely this summer it'll be available. Um I try I was going to try to make it um available this month, but I if I would have rushed, I just would not have Don't. been happy with the product, right. you know? Sometimes so. you have to grow with your work. I mean, yes. otherwise, like, if you wrote that 10 years ago, you wouldn't like it. I pr- Probably not, no, yeah. It, it, would, it would change, I mean, you know. really. Um, well, I look forward to it, that's for Thanks. sure. Um, uh-huh. And your details are amazing, like, really, the way I can, Thank I you. saw every, I can almost smell the horrible bodies <laughs> and the moon on the water and Thank the trees, the, the brackish trees. <laughs> Very uh-huh. cool, very cool, very cool. Thank right. you. So that's that's your new baby then. That is my new baby, yes. Well, how does that compare to your movie coming out though? Which is a higher priority? <laughs> um, well, they're both equal priorities. Um, trying to give both, um, you know, an equal time, but um, but Descent is um slated to come out a bit sooner. So okay. like right now, you know, I am trying to like really like push to get that done. Cool, so. cool. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, uh, Tiffany Apen, uh, yeah. woman of many trades and <laughs> tricks, I must say. I wasn't. I, you really had me at the edge of my seat there. Um, I, I, this is the part where you want to plug, where, yes. tell people where to find all your stuff. Okay. Um, well, I am currently putting up my new website. It's, it's actually it's ready, but I need to link it to the domain. So I, I tried to get into your old one. And yeah, I had, okay, yeah. Okay. So basically, I need to link the new website to the domain. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So which by the time this airs, um, that'll probably happen. Good. Uh, Tiffany Apen. You can also find me at Facebook, uh, Twitter. I'm relatively easy to find. Just put in Tiffany Appen. Um, And I have some things available. CD Baby, Amazon. Um, My short story, Cemetery by the Lake, is available for free download um, on Smashwords and also on Barnes & Noble Nook as well. Nice, nice. So, And that's also where um, it should be available at Amazon and Kobo and all those different uh, places relatively soon. Um, and same, same thing with, uh, my other stories that I'm going to be releasing, Sweet. um, Smashwords, Barnes and Noble. Yeah. I Amazon. saw that on there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. You got a lot going on. Yes. Well, I look forward to seeing you again. I'll yeah. probably see you before Horror Realm, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But hopefully you'll Thanks. come to a certain book release party I was talking about earlier, yes. but I'm not going to talk <laughs> anymore about that right now, but yeah, I hope to see you there. Okay. But yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we'll run, run into each other maybe at, uh, Chris Rickard's store there, uh, Beagle mm-hmm. and Rickard. And uh, thanks again for coming. I appreciate yeah, it. And uh, as always, me. and uh, we may or may not go out with a song. I'll just say that. <laughs> may or may not. We'll, we'll surprise everyone. Oh, no, I have to. I have okay. to. I already know what I'm playing. So. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. And make sure you look up Tiffany, all right? Yes. All right. Take care.
some new jello, okay? Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Electricast.